from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual, real, amazing relationships. The phone number here is 888-825-5225. Number one best-selling author, Ramsey personality, and host of the Ken Coleman Show is my co-host today, which means we've got the career expert, jobs expert in the house. We'll be talking about that with you as we go throughout the show today. Thanks for joining us again. 888-825-5225. Tony starts this hour in Detroit. Hey, Tony, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Better than I deserve, man. How can I help? Good deal. I, I have a quick question for you. We, I have a number of rentals. Um, one of the rentals has a mortgage on it, and me and my wife can't agree on if we should keep it or sell it. I, I would like to sell it. She would like to keep it. <laughs> okay. The other, the other rentals don't have a mortgage? Uh, correct. Okay. So this is the only debt you have. How about your personal residence? Personal residence uh, has a mortgage as well. Okay. You have any other debt? Um, yeah, I guess I do have a, a, a truck that has a, a loan on it. Mm-hmm. So, what are you? Why? No, why are you wanting to sell this property? Um, so, I'm in my my job, and I just don't want to focus on the ups and downs of rental. This one right now is an Airbnb, and um, yeah, I, I just am I'm over the. I'm overthinking about it. So the hassle. Correct. And she doesn't want to sell it. Why? She doesn't want to sell it because it, it, it does, it would make uh, a decent amount of money if we could pay it off quickly. It, it would, you know, bring in about $20,000. Well, that's assuming she so. continues to have free labor from you. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Yeah. If we have to hire yeah, a management, yeah, if we have to be- hire a management firm to run this freaking nightmare called an Airbnb, then suddenly yeah. your margins are going to go to squat. Yeah. Well, the margin the margin would still be about twenty thousand a year. We we can rent it for about three thousand a month, and then less insurance and uh, and taxes. I just said you had to hire somebody else to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. If you keep it, you have to do that because you're done. Correct. Yeah. I How agree. much do you make on it if you sell it? Um, we would make about well, we'd profit about a hundred. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think the I think the core issue is is that you guys are not on the same page on where you want to end up. Mm-hmm. If you decide on where we want to end up, where do we want to be in five years? Mm-hmm. Do we want to be king and queen of the Airbnbs um, and uh, be in debt on my truck and uh, be in debt on our house? And uh, be spending too much bunch of time on this. Is this what we want our life to be five years from now? Um, If it is, then you probably should keep it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you have a different set of, uh, if you agree on a different set of targets that you're going after, Mm -hmm. I want to be debt free. Get my stupid truck paid off. I'm gonna (laughs) pay off our house, and I'm gonna get out of the Airbnb hassle business and have a calm, peaceful life again. if that's your goal, then obviously you'd sell it. So, you know, if you were working the Ramsey plan, you'd sell it. But you're not working the Ramsey plan. You're just arguing with your wife about whether to sell a rental. You're just, you know, that's all that's going on. So, you know, you're just doing whatever the flip you want to do, and y'all are arguing about this one thing. So 
But the, but the reason you're having this disagreement is you, you're not in agreement on your long-term goals. And when you get in an agreement on your strategic long-term goals, then the tactical miscellaneous steps to get there will fall right in line and you'll be in agreement on those. Yeah, and I think you make a very good point about the long-term goals. I'm not sure that they're both truly looking at long-term. They're not. They're looking at just this one thing. Yeah, she's like, well, they have other rentals and they're not thinking about, well, if we sell the house, we make 100 we pay off the truck, we've got these other properties that are cash flowing. They got to think 20, 30 years down the line. I think that's the great advice you're giving there. And then once we can get on the same page about our desired future, then it's a lot easier decision. There's nothing really to argue about if we have a long-term vision that we agree on. Exactly. Exactly. Evan is with us in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Evan. How are you? Good, Dave. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. How can we help? Yeah, I see uh, a lot of people are turning towards artificial intelligence and robo-advisors to get their financial advice. I was curious to see what you thought about that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I know from what I've played around with it, uh, they don't necessarily say your advice is bad, but they don't disagree with it or agree with it. Um, I know particularly they say there is such thing as good debt and that uh, the best way to get out of debt is a debt avalanche. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you just got to decide who you want to be advising you, chatbot or human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. just, uh, I see a lot of financial advisors putting it into their practices. I was just wondering, is it a dangerous thing? Is it a good thing? Is yeah, it- it's it's both. Um, AI and robo-investing is, is good. It's There's nothing wrong with any of it, um, especially where you're dealing with a very small account and you're just getting started and it causes you at a low cost to get started as an investor. But if I was managing a million dollars, am I letting a chatbot do that? Nope. Yep. Don't think so. Yep. Really? I mean, AI stuff's very impressive. Um, we were, I was looking at it in a meeting this morning, some of the stuff that we're going to be able to do with it. It's uh, its ridiculous yeah. uh, how, how cool some of this stuff is. But with it comes the danger of no human oversight. And um, and, and that's the, the only way you know if the advice coming out of it is accurate is you're measuring it against a human's value system. That's the point. And Evan, I would tell you that artificial intelligence is about knowledge. What it lacks is wisdom. And that's what Dave's talking about. You're talking about a guide, a human being who understands principles through experience. And AI is nothing more than a world-class aggregation tool, if you want to just break it down. And so it's knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. But the answer to your question lies in what you said, artificial intelligence. It's not wisdom. It's knowledge that has been aggregated and you need wisdom and it's never going to replace the human touch. So here's the thing. You are always in charge of your money, not your financial advisor, whether it's AI, whether it's robo, whether it's an individual human being, you have to understand where the money's going. You are in charge of it. It's your fault if it screws up because you let it happen. It's your money. And so, you know, and so what that means is if your financial advisor says, oh, there's good debt, you need to go borrow on your house. You go, ha, ah, I need a new financial advisor. This one's an idiot. Oh, you know, you need to go get a universal life policy. Oh, I need a new financial advisor. This one's an idiot. And so, you know, you, you have to make those calls because you've already decided certain things you're going to do and not going to do. And regardless of who it is that's coming at you, whether it's which kind of, it, to me, it's very interesting. It's almost an oxymoron to say artificial right. intelligence. It's like, you know, like airline service. You know, these things don't go in the same sentence. But anyway, the, uh, but, but it is very impressive, and it is a great aggregator. So it's going to be kind of fun to see what, kind of, what we can do with it as a tool. 
Uh, but is it? Am I going to turn my life over to a single human, a robo advisor, or an AI chatbot? Not a chance. I'm in charge of my life. My job to manage it. I can listen to what they have to say and decide if I want to fire them or not. This is the Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. He does a show called The Dr. John Deloney Show that is a very popular Ramsey Networks podcast, and uh, you should tune into it. It's all about relationships and boundaries, and uh, Dr. John has a Ph.D. in higher education and also a Ph.D. in counseling, and so anytime those two intersect, uh, we really get into a great discussion. And he sent me an article this morning and said, let's talk about this here on the air. So uh, a hat tip to the guys at Marginal Revolution. I love those guys. Um, so it's a paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research. Um, Dinerstein and Yanellis and Chen. Here's, here's the study. So most people don't know this, but when it comes to student loans, there's we'll distill it down, but there's two different paths you, a college can take. Let's just let's stop saying, this is a white paper. A white paper, yeah, there you this go. This is Sorry. not an article on Yahoo Finance yeah. by some <laughs> yeah. Yahoo. Yeah, this is a research okay. paper. This is actually a research paper by a nerd, by Egghead. Several okay. several of my of my nerd friends. Se- several of your nerd friends. Yes. Okay. Um, so there's two separate paths. One of the paths is the government makes the loans, and the other is the bank makes the loans and the government guarantees them. For the average borrower, you're never going to know which which one of these paths your college took. But when Biden, I think it was Biden, maybe been Trump, did the first um, pause on student loan repayment, it instantly created a pretty cool uh, study that could be done because you had a group of people. Biden couldn't pause the bank loans because he didn't have the authority because it was the banks that made the loans, but he could pause the loans that the government made and so these researchers came in and said what was the what was what actually happened there and dave i i use i was sending emails to dave this morning as i was going through the math on this thing at the end of the day they found that the payment pause helped for about 30 seconds and the people who had to keep making their loan payments did not have any increase in defaults. They didn't have any increase in their life falling apart. The word I kept coming to was, or the words I kept coming to is they figured it out. Conversely, those that were a beneficiary of the pause ended with more debt than they started with. And I, I just have to keep reading that and reading that and reading that because Dave, I remember uh, Twitter tried to set you on fire when you said that $1,300 isn't going to change your life. It's not. Or $600 isn't going to change your life. And what they're saying is, actually, that pause made it worse. 
People took the money that was uh, in cash that they weren't sending to student loans and they went and put it on down payments for more debt. So it looked like a great political move. It helped for a few months and then it got bad. So everyone's life is going to fall apart because of COVID and you cannot afford to pay your student loans. So we, the government, are here to help you. We're going to put your student loans on pause. The net result is that people took that pause and used it to go further into debt proving that they were not in much trouble to start with or that they had the capacity now to get in even more trouble exactly exactly compare here's the note from the actual white paper comparing borrowers whose loans were frozen with borrowers whose loans were not frozen due to differences in whether the government owned the loans we show that borrowers use the new liquidity to increase borrowing on credit cards mortgages and auto loans rather than to avoid delinquencies so the narrative was we are here to help you poor people who have had your lives destroyed by COVID and you're not going to have to make your payments because we know you're starving to death. And everyone said, hold my beer. I'm going to go buy a car. Sweet. Now I can get a car. Sweet. Now I can get a car. Here, here, That's here. exactly what the net result of this is. Here's the line. By the end of the sample period, student debt borrowers have about 5% more household debt than the ones that did not get the government help of the pause perhaps paradoxically temporary student debt relief leads to higher overall household debt levels and larger future debt burdens this is good news for debt pauses as stimulus payments but bad news if you think that debt pauses are just the nudge people need to get their financial house in order none of them did statistically wow they went further in the hole so once again your government interferes in the economy and once again they screwed it up. Well, I think this is a good moment for me to say I was wrong. Because I remember when <laughs> when you said it's not going to help save your life. And I thought to myself, I think it will. I think it'll make a huge difference. And Dave, in front I'm of America. I'm glad you kept that to yourself. I, oh, I did. I did. I, was, I would have made fun of you I was a air. new employee here. <laughs> but I think it's fair to say I was wrong, man. Well, I, was I wrong. mean, the, the, the point it is. It didn't work. It, the point is not a philosophical uh, let them eat cake statement mm. when you say $1,300 doesn't change your life. But really, I mean, if you are at the poverty level, $15,000 a year, $1,300 is not even 10% of your income. So mathematically, the arithmetic says $1,300. If it changes your life, you really have a, already a major screwed up life long before COVID came along yeah. so and it doesn't fix it. Yeah, you got some pretty it dark challenges. It, it is uh, one more time the government saying they are doing something, and that was a different thing. That was a Biden bucks. Okay. It was a thirteen hundred that set they set Dave Ramsey's on fire all over effigies all over Reddit and everywhere else. And poor, you know, Dave Ramsey's just one of those people that doesn't have any compassion and you know whatever. Oh crap! It's just an obvious. It's just an obvious. It's an observation of the obvious. Political I had a college move. professor that told me one time, he said, Mr. Ramsey, you have a firm grasp on the obvious. <laughs> Little did he know I was going to make a living doing that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there you go. I do well, have I, a firm grasp the, on the obvious. The meta I took away from this nerd paper, and this, this just for y'all listening, the, these kind of nerd papers make my heart beat a little bit faster. I love them. Um, I think this lesson is applicable to my marriage. It's applicable to raising kids. It's applicable to being a good neighbor. It's applicable to my finances. There is no such thing as I'll deal with it later. That doesn't exist. It, it, it's a false premise that I can p kick a can down a road on any issue in my life. Um, 
like man pain deferred is pain amplified man and the more we kick stuff down the road the bigger mess we are making and i think it's an ethical issue when we are a knowingly put putting hurting people into more pain down the road or b we are making our grandkids that we've never met yet have to deal with this chaos man it's just it's just unethical it's evil debt ceiling race it's evil here we go again you know they're gonna do it again let's just go further in debt because uh, none of those people voting on it are ever going to pay any of it. Because they're, they're going to be dead. Zero. They're going to be dead. Most of them are going are almost dead now. They're so old. But yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, the uh, it's crazy. So yeah, the the it is unethical. And the thing though, Doctor uh, uh, Les Parrot, our our friend, you know, he we've spoken with him a bunch of times. He's used. He's been on Smart Conference a bunch of times, and he always says, you know, these negative emotions, these negative situations, whatever they are, whether they're mathematical, whether they're relational, whether it's a career decision, you kick the can down the road. This stuff has his famous phrase is it has a high rate of resurrection. It will be back. It will. I will be back. Yeah, I'm coming back. And so, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Sit down with your spouse and get this straightened out. It will be back. You can't sweep it on the rug. It's not going to go away. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's that splinter. If you don't pull it, will fester and gangrene will set in. We'll have to amputate your whole arm because you wouldn't pull this one little sliver of wood out of your finger or, you know, something scary. Your job is taken away from you overnight. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. You got to be on the phone finding something else to do. You got to be on that computer to find another work. You got to figure it out. And I hate saying that because it sounds so callous, but it's me trying to tell you I love you. And I think you can figure it out. Well, step straight into the difficult things. Man, run into the do storm. Do hard things. Yes. Michael Easter, Comfort Crisis. Do hard things. Step straight into them. It changes your brain chemistry. Yeah. And what Michael would say, which I think is so true, is if you do hard things on the regular as a part of your life, if you're constantly not running away from a conversation you'd have with your wife, but you're leaning into it. If you're constantly stepping into challenging moments with your kids, constantly like doing things like exercising and, and not going for that extra dessert, when something like this hits, your brain and body are ready to run into the storm. You've, tra- you've been training them, right? When you just take the stairs, right? You're training your body and your mind over time so that when hard things hit, bring it on. Let's go do this. Yeah, that's exactly right. But if you've been avoiding everything else and you get the opportunity to avoid this... I'll kick this can down the road. See, those of you that are kicking your student loan can down the road right now and you're not dealing with it, we're talking to you for the last five minutes. It is coming for you. This is not good for you. It's not good for you. We've been saying this. A, you owe the money, and B, it's not going away until you pay it. This is The Ramsey Show. Jade Warshaw, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Angie's in San Bernardino. Hi, Angie. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi. Hi, Miss Jade. Hey, Mr. Ramsey. What an honor to talk to you both. Thank you so much for taking our call today. Our pleasure. How can we help? Okay. So I'm hoping you can help us out. My beautiful husband and I cannot agree what to do with a rental property that we have. My hubby is uh, pretty concerned about the capital gains and the recapture of depreciation that we would pay, we would have to pay if we sell it. And I, on the other hand, I think it's a really good time to sell. And I think this money would change our lives. We would pay off our home. We would um, invest a little more in our Roths um, and <clears throat> maybe do a small um, home renovation. Um, so, and eventually, like you mentioned before, you read the menu from left to right. I can't wait to get there. 
So um, we are humbly asking for your opinion. Um, I should disclose something and no pressure. Okay, no pressure at all. But he did say that if you said that we sell, that he's going to sell. So go ahead and tell him to sell. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've been set up, Jade. (laughs) So the only reason he doesn't want to sell is simply to avoid those capital gains. It's not because he just loves the property and wants to hold on to it and loves the cash flow. No, the cash flow is very, very low, unfortunately, less than $500 a month. Mm-hmm. And um, no, we, we don't particularly love it. Um, it was our first home, mm-hmm. uh, but we've, you know, we've been out of it for so long. And um, he is, he, it's almost like we can't, he can't stomach that we probably will have to pay quite a bit of money. So what, how much, what's the house worth, the rental? The house right now is worth about five thirty, and we owe about two twenty. Okay, all right, and so you're going to walk out with um, three hundred grand. We'll call it okay, not quite, yeah. but but um, somewhere in that not range. Quite, and right. your the balance on your mortgage okay. is what two twenty five. Okay, so oh, by the time I'm you sorry. pay our, by the time mortgage- you pay capital gains and expenses to sell the house, you pay off your home. You're going to have a little left, but not much. Oh, so I'm sorry. Our home that we live in now, we only owe 120. Oh, oh, I thought you said 225. Okay, 225 no, is the I, rental. I you I'm were sorry. correcting the 220. Now I'm catching on. Okay, um, yeah. just 120. Yeah, and it's and, worth and like so yeah, We've- and let's say and so let's say 300. Let's, let's call it 250 after some taxes and 120. So you would have 130, 125, or whatever left over to do some other things with, give or take. Okay. Yes, so sir, that's um, how, here's yeah. the thing. Um, let's pretend for a second, the, a good way to, I, the, a good way, decision-making tool that I use in our house, Sharon and I use this all the time is if it was already done, would we undo it? Meaning sunk cost analysis is what it's called. Okay. And this comes from the Harvard investment newsletter, uh, where the, the, the teacher in the investment class would say, if you ever, if you ever use what you paid for something as your reason for keeping it, then that's using the wrong analysis. And the class was taught to yell out sunk costs. The only reason you keep something is that you like what it's going to do in the future, not how we got here. Okay. That's a proper analysis of an investment, but it's also the proper analysis of possessions. Okay. And so if I'm looking at a boat in my driveway that I haven't put in the lake in four years and it's worth $10,000, and I say to myself, if I had $10,000 piled in the middle of the table instead of that boat, would I go buy that boat? And the answer is, since I don't use the boat anymore, would obviously be no, right? So that tells me it's time to sell the boat. That's a sunk cost analysis. If I didn't have the boat and I had the money instead, which is what happens if you sell it, then would I, would I go buy the boat? And, if I, and in my case, we have boats and we use them every summer. We love to ski. We're a Rams, we're a lake family. And so if you said, if I didn't have that boat, would I, and I had that money, would I go buy that boat? And I'm like, yeah, I sure would. Then I don't need to sell my boat. Cause that means I'm, cause I, I like it is what we're saying. So let's reverse this and say your house is paid off. This is your, to your husband. Okay. Your house is paid off. You have $120,000 in a checking account to do renovations with, go on a trip with, or whatever it is you described a while ago, you're going to do with the extra. If that were the case and you had the opportunity to buy this property, 
that you don't that you currently own and you didn't own it, but you had the opportunity to buy it and put down. To, you'd borrow money on your house. You take the money out of your checking account and you go buy this house to put down two three hundred thousand dollars on it, two hundred fifty thousand dollars on it, and and we're going to have a five hundred dollar cash flow. And this is the house we own. Would you do that? And his answer is going to be no. He's shaking his head right now. You nailed it. That's what you did. He's, he's shaking his head what? <laughs> he's, he's shaking his head. You're right. He wouldn't yeah. buy it. Yeah, I w- he, he wouldn't him. go buy it because the only reason he's keeping it is not because he's in love with the future of it. He just doesn't want to give the government any money because he hates them. And I, I agree. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, get, I get the emotion, but that's not the reason for keeping the house. The reason for keeping the house is it brings our it makes a better future for us. And nowhere in your description of why he wanted to keep the house was that. That's how I knew he would right. sell it. That's how I knew he would sell it. So it's sold. And <laughs> the sold. only bad part about this conversation, Angie, is you win. You set us up. <laughs> you set us up and you still won and we knew we were set up. We all win, Mr. Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Good call. Especially uh, <laughs> my husband. <laughs> you, know, you totally used us, and you still won, and we knew it was happening. So this was a great experience. We're so glad you called. <laughs> oh, thank you. Guys. I love you both. Thank you so much. We you. love you, darling. Thank you for calling. <laughs> that was good. Marcus, Marcus with us in Knoxville. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Mr. Ramsey, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I had a, had an uncle pass away, and uh, I got a, I was notified that I have a, a beneficiary IRA in my name. An inherited uh, IRA. Or I'm like, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I was just looking at the paper. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for, like, it's around $56,000, and mm-hmm. so I was just calling to see, like, what I should do with it. Um, I talked with the person there, and they said, um, I'll be taxed. Like I can leave it in there. It will grow tax free for 10 years. But then after that, I'm required to take it, um, take the money out and then it'll be taxed. No, it's not exactly so true. It has to be liquidated. Okay. It has to li- be liquidated 10% a year for 10 years. Gotcha. Okay. An inherited IRA, you have 10 years to undo it and you have to do it 10% a year. So 5,600 each year for 10 years comes out and is taxed. That is the longest you can leave it in you can also just take it all out today and pay the taxes how old are you um 20 26 what do you make um i make about uh like i'm on contract now but like 110 good grand for you. A what do you do i'm a software developer good for you okay well uh we want to honor married. we want to honor your uncle's memory and what a wonderful legacy that he's left to you and i'm sorry for your loss um, oh, thank you. so are you asking what you should do with it? Yeah. I'm like, what, uh, I didn't know. Cause I didn't know from like taxes, should I just leave it and let it grow? Um, and, and there and take that minimum, like you said, that I have to take out per year mm-hmm. and let it grow. Or is it like cash out, like just cash out everything? Like what, uh, yeah. do you have any debt? Out? Uh, no, I don't. Good for you. Very good. Okay. Uh, do you have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses? Yeah, I do. Good for you. You're doing good, man. Well, uh, I would make sure that the money is invested in good growth stock mutual funds. 
and learn about those. Sit down with an investment advisor. If you need one, you can find them at uh, a SmartVestor Pro that we recommend at RamseySolutions.com, clicking on SmartVestor Pro. And um, then I would leave it. You're going to be required to move 10% out a year for 10 years and be taxed on it. But I'd leave it, let the government, keep the government's hand off of it as long as I can. This is The Ramsey Show. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Thanks for being with us. Kelly is in Oakland, California. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. What's up? Um, okay, so my husband is a guarantor on his mom's mortgage. Um, it's not under his name, uh, just the guarantor. We did a cash-out refinance of her house um, prior to her creating a living trust for um, some home improvement projects with the verbal expectation that she would put the title in my husband's name upon her passing. However, without me knowing, she threw in an additional clause that if we ever sell the house, we would be required to pay half of the profits to his eldest son, who is currently 20 years old, even though we have two additional babies under two years old. Um, this clause was thrown in after the loan was approved. Uh, we've already thrown $100,000 of our own money, cash, into the house. Um, the house is worth, as of right now, conservatively $1.25 million, and the current loan balance is a little under 400000 So my question is, now that we are out of um, baby step two... And, is mama um, dead? Answer... Um, mom, mom is unfortunately going through a lot of health situations and is she mentally competent. Yes, she is. Okay. Your husband, her son needs to walk into her room with fresh papers and have this fixed. She okay. was in, that was unethical, not fair and dumb, and she needs to fix it. And she can do that with a signature if your husband will make his mother do that. Okay. What happens if she does? <laughs> because we don't know. Yeah, we don't know what to do if. Um, I want her to sign it to a way to a charity. I don't want anything else to do with it. I want it sold and given away to a charity. I do not want to wreck a 20-year-old irresponsible person's life. Because you know what an irresponsible person with 400000 is? really freaking irresponsible right dumb grandmother dumb 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 grandmother right bad grandmother bad grandmother bad 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 do you have any insight <laughs> as to why she did this um so she she wanted to make sure that um her grandson would be taken care of when she's gone yeah Before it's an act of love and, and she married. she was dumb that's why she did yeah it. She has, a, she has an improper really view of what love looks like. <laughs> yeah, she needs to, it's dumb. It's just, you really, your husband mm -hmm. allowed this. I'm angry with him, yeah. too, because his mother mm -hmm. has told him what to do way too many times. He's way too grown up for this. Mommy said, and then mommy did, and he didn't say anything about it because mommy, mother dearest, nope, mm -hmm. nope, 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 nope. And you're mad at her, and you need to be mad at him. Because he allowed it. Yeah, I'm kind of mad at both of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. It's easier to be mad at her because she doesn't live in the house with you. But Yeah, man. but he's he's the one that allowed this to go on. And while he put his name on the loan, I mean, that's right. just unethical on her part. 
mm-hmm. and on his part, very weak to allow this to go down. Does she not trust your husband? No, so, she um, just had a fit of stupidity and put it on paper. I'm telling you, it's not. I don't think it's deep stuff here. Well, I, I think there is a little bit of untrust. Um, before we got married, he was very bad with money. And since then, we've turned everything around. All the baby steps got out of the house. As if giving it to a 20-year-old fixes that. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. So, There's a lot of control um, issues mom has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's spoken like somebody who really loves her husband, but man, you're more mom than you are wife. Yeah, he he need listen, saddle up, saddle up. He needs to march okay. right in there and say, Mom, this was wrong. I went along with it. I shouldn't have, and I'm not going along with it. So here's what's gonna happen. You die, I'm gonna sue the trust and ask the judge to undo your stupidity if you don't undo it with a signature right now. Because giving a 20-year-old $400,000 is absolutely, that's irresponsible with money, is absolutely asinine because it's going to cause more problems than blessings. Yeah, okay. It's not a blessing. What does a cocaine person, what does a cocaine addict do when they get more money? More cocaine. What's an irresponsible person do when they get more money? More irresponsible. What's a uh, generous person do when they get more money? More generous. Money magnifies our good and bad parts that all of us have, me included. And, uh, you know, what does Dave get? More things with loud mufflers. You know, I mean, what, you know, (laughs) redneck. I mean, you know, what? but I mean, everybody's got, right, that. So, uh, So let's let's back it up. Let's say grandma did this perfectly and there's only one kid. Is the right thing to do is to put it in a in a trust? Yeah, yeah. That has yeah multiple multi year payouts yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, and different 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 triggering mechanisms that indicate responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if he's going to college, I would graduate say, college. Here, if you're going to go to college, you need to graduate college. That's a triggering event. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, be 25 and not be deeply in debt. Mm-hmm. You know, and a triggering event. You know. And so some level of maturity. I'm not saying all 20-year-olds are doofuses. She said her 20-year-old was irresponsible. The mother just said that. Okay, so I'm, that's what I'm going off of. So, Well, he's been um, had a ringside seat to which, his dad. By the way, I've been irresponsible. When I was 20, you didn't give me 400 oh, grand. That would have been a bad idea. That would have been the worst idea. There have been a lot of loud mufflers and beer involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just a bad idea. No, I'm not saying that everybody – but. But and there, there we've had twenty-year-olds on this show that were more responsible and had their crap together more than a lot of sixty-year-olds. So can't can't. It's not an age thing. But whatever you are, good or bad, is going to be magnified. And when you're gifting or doing inheritance, you need to structure it to ensure that you're being a blessing and not magnifying stupidity. And let's go one step up the river here. A mother that would do this to her son last minute dishonestly behind closed doors without telling them has done this crap for years she's a controller and if you are married to somebody like this you've got to speak up if you're married to a coward who won't speak up against his own mom or her own mom or her own dad or his own dad and say we as a family are not getting into this deal and let me tell you this is not, not a ca- this is not a coward in the sense of lack of courage this is i don't want to put up with the crap yes that this is going to unleash when i bother to have a conflict with her because all conflicts with her don't end well he just doesn't want to screw with it i mean that's a different kind of cowardice i, I don't because i know it's you know when I walk into the forest with a bear, I'm going to meet a bear. I mean, he knows what he's got. 
He's dealt with it his whole life. So it's, it's not cowardice like he's a little wuss. That's not the point. He's like, it ain't worth a fight. Screw it. That's where he is. But it is worth the fight. We spent $100,000 of his own money. And of, your, and of your own money and four hundred going to an irresponsible 20-year-old. It's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. It's worth calling her out. And, oh, by the way, you signed the note. So that's, that's what I mean, doing business. You know. At you some know. point, you got to go, it is worth the fight. But this is a this when we say coward, we're not like sniveling, yellow bellied in the corner, sucking your thumb coward. This is just I don't want to deal with the pain in the butt that is mom when you confront her. But the other side of that is it's your job to protect your kid. Exactly. And yourself. And your fan yeah. yeah. So that's your job. You know. So this whole thing comes at you, you go, you know what? I'm not signing that note. Yeah, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. Yeah. No, it's not not an option. Or, you, want, you want to do the deal? We're doing it my way. Yeah, we'll do it my way, or or not at all. It's okay. Not and I also understand. Hey, this is a million dollar house. We're gonna have this much money. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm not, not worth losing my family over. Not not more than burning everything down. Uh, the whole dad gum. And Dave, you <sighs> spoke with for, with such insight that it's almost as though you've seen this before. <laughs> Thirty years of doing this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a couple times. Parents and grandparents who try to bless their their lineage, and they and, bless. You it. know, the worst one I ever had early on on this show. I took a call from a grandfather who was sobbing, and he was he was uh, eighty nine years old, and he had co signed for a thirty thousand dollar pickup for his grandson, and it got repoed, and they were coming after his farm because he had no money, but he had a farm. Oh no! And they were going to take the eighty nine year old's farm for the reposition on the pickup. And nobody in the family gave a crap. Step in. He thought he was helping his grandson by co-signing. And I'll never forget that 89-year-old crying on the air. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, it's John Deloney, co-host of The Ramsey Show. Did you know over 18 million people listen to The Ramsey Show every week? A lot of those people listen on one of our 600-plus radio stations across the country. To find a station near you, go to RamseySolutions.com show.